Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. back to the Larkcast as we ended last week's episode saying that this was a two-parter you are now going to jump into right into the middle of the conversation that we were having so this will be part two enjoy and so for me like being able to wrestle with all the other kind of pieces like the surrounding pieces with Jesus at the center I still was like still able to kind of like stay anchored to him because way, way back in my story, there was a genuine interaction with him, with him. Now I went into the whole bit, dude, the institution bought in. I was a part of it. Right. Um, And really kind of was like a stripping down to get me back to the center, you know, to get me back to Jesus himself. But I just, I've often wondered about this just in relation to the phenomena of deconstruction. And I think a lot of people just have a relationship with the church or the tradition of church in the West. Yeah. So it's easy to walk away from. Agreed. One of the ways I remember, um, I remember back in the, when I first started out in, in the ministry world, after a few years of being a youth pastor, I took a my first paid job in the in the church world as an associate pastor, the church on the other side of town. And uh, you know, this was you know climbing the ladder. You guys know how that works, right? You're kind of moving up the upstream now. You've proved yourself. And one of my responsibilities was also to oversee all the student ministries. So I started raising up training these like various you know middle school pastor, high school pastor, college pastor, you know what I'm saying? And I remember our high school dude coming to me and he kind of opened up and he was like, kind of broke down this one night, man. And, and I said, man, what's going on? You know, I thought maybe, you know, then something, you know what I'm saying? Like he's going to get himself canceled or, but instead he goes, man, you have this like passion for, for Jesus and the truth and what you're doing. And, and, and you've got like this story, you know, like this past and I don't have that. I grew yeah. up in the church world my whole life and I want to have like what you have, but I just, I don't, man. And it's because I don't have that past, you know, I've always been a good kid and, you know, he's kind of going through his checklist and he's using all this to basically say, I've never had the encounter that led to the passion that you have. And I need that. And he was at a point, man, where he was thinking he just he needed to walk away, go sow a bunch of wild oats, get a few mug shots, you know, taken. And then, right, he'll have that encounter and he can and he can come back in. And I remember when he started sharing that, I'm just going to be honest, I was young in ministry. And so my brain started racing because I'm like, crap, man, I'm, I'm the leader here. I'm supposed to have the answers. And 
I don't know how to respond to this dude. I'm starting to feel like kind of stuck, you know, like, what am I going to say when he stops talking? And I'll never forget it. Like, I just prayed like, Lord, give me words. I don't know what to say here. And I'm like quietly praying this and he gets done. And I looked at him and I said, man, what you just shared, I totally understand. I hear where you're coming from. I see the logical connections you're making. I said, but it doesn't compute. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, it doesn't make sense because you're telling me you don't have a story when in reality you do have a story. We both have an equal, broken, flawed, frail, trying to be God, lover of control story. Yep. I just pursued mine with rebelliousness and you pursued yours with self-righteousness. I was yep. thinking the same thing. It's the same story, bro. It is, and, but it's it's a harder story to detect in the church because we've not differentiated the gospel from moralism. Exactly. Which is why I think the apostle Paul is so damn adamant about this in Galatians. And angry and angry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we, like, we've got to do the due diligence, man, of looking at this and not forgetting this for the rest of our days. Mm -hmm. Because the enslavement of religion, man, it's real. It's blinding. Mm -hmm. And it has drastic effects in its dismantling of people and homes and friendships and entire societies. Mm -hmm. And that, that was what it was, man, for this dude. And, and so I'll just say two things and it's all ties in, you know, Jameson, what you brought up in, in the question. Number one, I was able to look, just kind of remind him that, uh, Hey, you know, in the garden, when it says like, if you eat of this tree, you know, surely die. And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, did they die? Well, no, I mean, they were still there. Like, so they didn't die. They ate the fruit, Adam and Eve, but then they went on to hide and then even have a conversation with God. They didn't fall over. Yeah. I'm like, so maybe that word die there doesn't mean what we often think it means. And, and, and it, you start to see that and you start to press into like the nature of humanity, right. In its blindness not separation, but, but alienation, you know what I mean? From reality. That that's what takes over. That's what took over there. And it's, that's why what happened to Adam and Eve happens has happened to every person since I'm saying all that to say nothing in humanity leads to life because humanity at its core, right. Is, is riddled in death apart from the spirit that brings life. And so seeing that, you know, he was able to look and go, Hey man, do, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. Well, if you did, if you did, that didn't come from you, bro. That came from somewhere else outside of you. The fact that we're even having this conversation is evidence of a living, breathing God. The one that Paul encountered that led to this passion, the one that I encountered that led to the passion that you've seen in me. Yeah. That also happened in you. You didn't arrive at this place that you're in on your own. Nothing in you would pursue this. So rejoice in this, man. Rejoice in this good news that you were as equally flawed and foolish as me. <laughs> and a good, a good God, right? Encountered your life, 
you encountered him. And then here's, and then secondly, I'll say this, where did that happen? Where did that happen for him, for me, for you, for all of us? Where did it happen when you look in Galatians 1 and Paul tells the story? It happens in the gospel. It happens in that news, that revelation. That's why it's so important that we that we hold up the pure, unadulterated, unfiltered, undiluted news of Jesus, our union with God. Man, it's in that that we have the encounter. It's in that that we experience something, man, that we yeah. can't shake. And if you just up and throw that out, dude, and walk away, I would agree with you, Tony. Um, you might not have, you might not have actually encountered Jesus in the gospel. Mm-hmm. You might have just encountered religion in the church. And those are two different things. Yeah, growing up, you know, you just saw people get rescued from irreligion. You know, stories yeah. like mine, you know, coming out of rebellion. I never really heard anyone get up or get, you know, brought onto a stage of like someone who's trusting their own righteousness. Yes. That, the actual righteousness of Jesus. And so you just, you know, you just, we, we're always looking for some story of transformation, yeah. you know, and it was always out of irreligion and rebellion. And so to hear some of the stories that start coming out, like Paul's Philippians too, dude, I trust in my own righteousness. I've been trusting my own righteousness. And you know what, for like a pastor to be like, dude, this whole system, like actually really provides a nice place for you to hide in religion and feel nice and safe. Yep. It's true, man. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, Paul's dealing with a small little movement of Judaizers. I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it. I live in the real world. I travel in the real world. Bro, the spirit of the Judaizer, the teaching (laughs) of the Judaizer, it's not only welcomed it's straight up celebrated and what is most popular hand is what is most popular in the name of christianity yeah it got mastered in the enlightenment and now it's being manufactured widely it's not like it's everywhere and it's throughout you can't get away from it it's been solidified in that way and you're you're replacing the gospel the minute you say Jesus, but mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like we did that whole yeah, but series and there is no such thing as truth. When you add, but to that sentence, to the word, to the name of Jesus, because Paul writes the name of Jesus, the way you would write the name of God. <laughs> and then he says, he's one with the father. He does all of these things, which mm-hmm. means you cannot fundamentally change who Jesus is, meaning what you do cannot verify or validate that he loves you. It can't make it true or untrue. It's it's part of who God is for God to have loved you, included and invited you into his life. You cannot, like, these are not like opinions. These are theological, doctrinal bedrock level truths that paul is right 
yelling almost about in this letter, right? Like that moment where he says, I wish that while you were circumcising yourself, you'd slip and lop the whole thing off. Like you can't sanitize what Paul's trying to do here. He's so upset. And this is, I got to read this to you guys. We must affirm the insight that Jesus is Lord. Full stop. Along with all of its entailments and then protect it vigilantly resisting all other candidates for this status in parentheses people and especially christians seem to love to avoid and to marginalize and to obscure god's gift of god's very being to us in jesus for all sorts of odd reasons god's Mm -hmm. gift of god's very being to us in jesus and so what this means for all of us is that the truth of the gospel, why Paul makes it clear that it's a revelation and not something you learned or thought about or got, or got taught or figured out or saw with your own eyes. He's saying it's Jesus revealing himself. That's actually really good news because at the end of the day, every other option <laughs> leads yeah. to a self-referential claim itself. Like there is no such thing as a non-self-referential claim about truth about what's what's the at the bottom core of everything except the only one that can actually hold the water of that circular argument is jesus there is no other way of making sense of anything and i think that paul's adamant here he's like no god's gift of god's very being is what god gave you in jesus and he says he gave it to the world yeah there's no but there no but yeah it's almost like he's looking at him and saying you guys think you're faithful followers of Jesus and you don't realize that you're actually living in good faith to an imaginary God. You're a slave to religion and you're enslaving other people to religion. And not only are you missing out on life, they're missing out on life. And what's insane to think of is that they're just completely oblivious to this and even fighting it. And again, I mean, it's like, wow. Now fast forward 2000 years. You see why he's adamant about what you were just saying, Jameson, that if, if you don't protect this vital core bedrock truth, all else is lost. Mm-hmm. It's lost. There's, there's no there's not a more powerful bewitching than a moralistic bewitching. Yeah. I would um, agree. It, everybody is drinking, you know, the virtuous Kool-Aid. It's across, it's across the board. Yep. Left, right. Doesn't matter. Um, And I think in particular, the church is very susceptible to moralistic arguments because we failed to make a distinction between the good news of Jesus and the good things that we bring or think we bring to the table. And so I'm just, I think maybe I knew it before, but man, these last six, seven years and Paul in particular, his story, Jesus's uh, parables, um, have been so, so good, you know, for me, for sure. And it's hard. 
it's hard on, on the outside to really even like discern, you know, someone who's trusting, you know, themselves, but that's, what's crazy is like, we all are, you know, we all are. And, um, you know, just the, you know, when I was new to Christ, I've said this before on the, on the Lark cast, you know, I read the phrase old man, you know, just in terms of that, like rebellious law breaking middle finger straight to the heavens, man, the old man, but the guy who coined the phrase is the apostle Paul. He didn't have a rebellious streak. He didn't have an irreligious streak. That old man in light of that can only be defined as that part of us that just loves to control. And that can express itself in rebellious, irreligious and religious, you know, ways. So man, it's, it's such an easy trap. It's such an easy trap because our own hearts drift that way. That's why like when people define sin as like transgression and they talk about like be killing sin or sin will be killing you, you know, like we got to really like fight sin and all this other stuff. They're talking about sin in terms of like transgression, like little ways, little behaviors, right. Where we're just kind of like, you know, breaking a rule here, you know, maybe a, you know, a harming behavior there, but sin like capital S sin that mm-hmm. wants to just be Lord in all of its little ways and the ways that it expresses itself in every facet of my life, dude, that can never get stamped out yep. ever. And that's why I think the language of the gospel and death and resurrection, and even just the whole idea of new life is so important because it's not an improvement thing. Like something needs to be crucified. Something yeah. needs to be crucified. Yeah. Form's not an and, option here. <laughs> and the announcement that there's nothing to do is the only potent thing that can turn our hearts away from trusting ourselves and onto another person. Yep. And so the people who are the loudest about, well, what are you saying? Like, there's nothing to do and, and, and want to just argue for, you know, various expressions of sanctification and improvement mm-hmm. and, you know, neighboring and loving and, you know, all those other things, yep. dude, like you need to come face to face with your death, your crucifixion, and only the announcement that everything has already been done. And there's nothing left for you to do is the only thing that might shut your mouth and, and look with sober eyes onto Jesus and his finished work. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your <laughs> own understanding, right? That somewhere in the Bible sentence, <laughs> Proverbs three, five, man, like that one yeah. was so like, like hang on the wall, like basic level, but no one gets it. None of us get it. We read that and we're just it. like, oh, it's above my head. I'm like, no, 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 no understanding is the wrong category <laughs> like you want, you it want says hear. lean not on your own understanding because the thing that leads you to treat sin like a transaction and a transgression and a bad thing you did and a good thing needs to get done to fix it is because that false god that you're talking about rest like we've yeah we've painted god in our image by trying to validate him with our understanding yeah, that's and then why we wonder why it doesn't work. Has been, yeah, yeah. That's why understanding has been 
thrown off the table by Paul. He just, he clears the whole mess. He's like, I'm throwing it all on the floor and I don't care how big the mess is. There's only one truth and it's Jesus. Oh, and by the way, he's a Jew who got crucified. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Paul almost kind of brings up in his story, like he had his own mind meld mind sink, you know, with the other apostles. He was like, dude, like I only spent 15 days with Peter. You know, not only did I learn this from the risen Jesus for three years, like, dude, I went up to Jerusalem. It all got conferred, you know, it all was mm -hmm. corroborated. Um, this is the gospel. So he's referencing the people, you know, the, those who had authority in the community from which these dudes are coming down who are causing trouble. He's referencing the authority in their community too. Yeah. It's like the ultimate like checkmate for Paul. Again, it's, it's, it's his defense and his, you know, argument. And if you want to hear like how, how slippery of a slope this, this whole thing can be, Jameson, that verse you brought up in Proverbs, I can remember back in my cool church pastor days when I would wear like, <laughs> I had a flat front khakis versus the pleated ones. Ooh, you know what yeah, I mean? Boy, I had a trendsetter. Little, I had to bring a little style to the staff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, back in them days, man, everybody played golf. And you know, I, I pastor in this church, man, all these new people and connections, right? So I I go out, man, and learn how to play golf and got me a golf bag. And they were like, dude, you should put like a Bible verse on it. So yes. freaking stitched on the side of my golf bag, bro. As long as it was Proverbs three, five to six. <laughs> I'm walking around all these golf courses. Um, not long. Cause if you know me, golf's not my game. Oh, and dude, if you know my you're, temperament, you're breaking your clubs on yeah, hole three. I broke three clubs <laughs> right over the knee, chucking it right into the, the pond, chucked one. And let's just, Let's go ahead and say, uh, I then turned to one dude who was walking by. I said, you like golf? He goes, yeah. And I said, how much money you got? He reached in his pocket. He goes, got $105. I said, you can have this brand new bag and all these clubs for $105. He handed me the money. I handed him the bag and left. I ain't never played <laughs> since. But here's what I'm laughing about. The irony in it is I'm out there sporting this bag, right, with this Bible verse. Thinking the entire time. Man, I'm not leaning on my own understanding. Right. I'm about the truth, bro. And what I was teaching and leading in, man, it was growing, multiplying, people coming around, right? Money coming in. Every success marker you could hit, bro. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I was teaching everybody all the practicals, threes to this and five to that and sevens to this and what a real Christian is and isn't and how to be a better this and Bro, you know what I didn't, what I didn't teach? The fundamental, unfiltered, bedrock truth of the gospel with no but. Yep. Yep. And I think the most tempting justification for people. Nobody who are leading, was. Yeah. I think the fundamental, most, you know, uh, tempting justification is, you know, converts, followers, and the people in your pews. Yeah, we because, think this is the fruit. Yeah, because Jesus even said it about the Pharisees. You know, dude, they'll they'll yeah. they'll travel from coast to coast for a convert. 
And then when they, when they make a convert out of you, they'll celebrate you, you know, um, they'll parade you around. Um, yeah. and you're, and you're, and he's, I think he says even like, dude, you're making disciples of hell, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're making disciples of hell. And so just that, like, you know, you know, these, these dudes out here, you know, um, preaching, um, a very, you know, hidden performance based theology mixed with gospelisms. Um, they're going to just well, constantly that's what grows. be pacified, you know, in yeah. the Facebook comments, the claps and the, the attendance. Mm-hmm. But Paul's standing alone, dude, in this letter. Really? Yeah. You know? Which is a really bad way to make your case. So that tells you with somebody who's as like legit as he is at communication and being a Pharisee and writing like the dude's a genius. Oh, a lot sure. of scholars agree that he's beyond like just just a, you know, pastor who had some things to like he's top notch. So for him to make the case that he's made in Galatians and throughout his work is a little bit of a like <laughs> conundrum. You're like, wait a second, you're basing everything on you not being able to prove it right martin luther well, says mo- this. moving past this he has some he's got some heavy hitting arguments for sure for sure but it comes after this yeah martin luther says in reference to verse 16 the gospel is nothing else but the revelation of the son of god and if you are on like listening to this conversation as somebody who's been in and through church your whole life or a part of your life or a por- long portion of it, you probably started to believe whether it was intentional or not by your church leadership, that your church leadership was the revelation of God. Now I'm not saying God doesn't reveal himself through your church leadership. I am. Russ is. <laughs> So to I'm just kidding, keep going. I'm an elder. You have to listen. You're yeah, a freaking like, dork, dude. That's what you are. <laughs> if it's only the revelation of the Son of God, which I'm telling you, if you argue with that, like you're wrong. You cannot argue that the gospel mm-hmm. is only one thing. It's nothing but the revelation of the Son of God. And where is that Son revealed? In you. By Jesus which means by no one else and by nothing else and nowhere else. Hmm. This is such good news because it means you're not like if you're not bound by all of the ways that you've been told God demands that you come to him. Mm -hmm. You're not inhibited. You're not being given hurdles to jump over or hoops to jump through. If the gospel is the revelation of the son of God and nothing else, as Martin Luther says, well, then that kind of makes sense with what Paul says in Romans 5, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for the yeah. ungodly, right? While still sinners and ungodly in the same sentence, just to make sure you know when this happened. So and how one-sided it was. You can, Yeah, how one-sided, like what you brought to the table was a whole lot of nothingness. Right. <laughs> yeah, and isn't, I've, I've always found like the sweetest relationships, you know, from, from coast to coast that we've met and I've met over the years is really just kind of one big mind meld, dude. 
you're just mm-hmm. like you meet other people who God was pleased to reveal the son in them. Yeah. And we yes. start to just share our stories and yep. all the people who are discovering, you know, you know, discovering again the true gospel. I think a lot of people started out with really like the son revealing himself to them. And I think it just got it got co-opted, you know, by this uh, you know, this donkey doctrine that we're seeing, you know, prevalent everywhere. You know, for sure that was me. Dude, within a month, I was a Pharisee. A Pharisee. Yeah, yeah me within, too. Within a month, dude. And well, I started I, was, yeah. well, I started that, off but... with just rejoicing, like heart melted, soft heart, like on cloud nine. Right. I was as Paul puts it in Galatians, you were running well in the good news of Jesus and the grace of God. And I was just happy to be forgiven, dude. I was just happy to have a clean conscience, you know, to know that I was loved, to know that I was justified by faith alone. And I turned into a Pharisee within a month. Yep. Yeah. I had a, it, what I love about all of this and what Paul's doing here is it, it, it really does set you free to live in a freedom you already have, right? The only freedom in this world that has ever or will ever be, the only freedom that you will never have to run down. That's what this revelation, right, does. But it also just kind of goes into stuff that we've already been talking about, but it it puts things in in the right perspective. It puts things in the right bucket now. Because now we can have conversations about things in the world and things that we do with our bodies, right? <laughs> that that can be that that can be beautiful or it can be hurtful. Because you know, sometimes people say, well, man, if all we ever do is talk about this, and there's just this constant fear of like bad behavior and 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 the destruction that that can bring, you know, to people's lives. And we're like, yes, we get that. We're not dismissing that. Neither is the apostle Paul. He's just saying that's a different conversation. And it's actually one that you're free to really enter into and now free to, to embrace and to learn and, and to walk in because it's no longer a means by which you're justifying yourself. Now it's just, hey, this makes sense. This is smart. I should maybe do this with my bank account versus this. I should pursue this in my relationships versus this because I keep doing this and I'm hurting people, but I don't have to any longer. They're not a project anymore. They're just a fellow person on an adventure of faith. And so I'm just saying like, there, man, it, there's so many ramifications that, that come from the commitment to Jesus, right? As Luther said, the revelation, right, of God in you, the gospel, Nothing and but. getting that clear and keeping it undefiled, man, it is paramount, paramount to your joy, to the joy of the world. It is paramount so you know quoting again caping from like the first episode in galatians get a spirited horse (laughs) called the gospel Mm -hmm. and grab a hold of an ethical you know grab a hold of a of an ethical donkey there's a place for it but don't breed the two only a jackass does that only a jackass would do it you know also to lose the gospel yeah, think about just practically the mission of Lark, you know, to primarily move things, you know, online, a podcast, um, some social media, some traveling. Um, I think we're saying, you know, the church's people, 
the global redeemed people of God who God was pleased to reveal his son in them. And those who will, you know, or who have yet to believe mm-hmm. what I'm finding is along with this, you know, um, you know, this gospel sanctification meld of a message that you're seeing around also too in that is um, a place that is really saying that God dwells in places made of made of human hands. They have, you know, everything's about the building. Everything's about the service. Everything's about this hour and a half here. Everything's about the programs, you know, and this and that. And if you look at what Paul's saying, he revealed himself in me. I was on a freaking horse, dude. Mm-hmm. I was traveling. I was in a 1993 black Ford Ranger. When God, when God was pleased to reveal his son in me. And when you're in that world, dude, in the, in the, in the church world, dude, you think everything happens in there and then you begin to market it. Like the church I have locally, we brought it up. Change happens here. Life is here. Yeah. You're saying God dwells in places made of human hands. You make God your add on. You added a, but there's a verse that we can't skip in verse 16 you this got is already a this. two-parter dude so go for it this is it I, oh this yeah won't take long this <laughs> won't take long if you guys man i'll just read it here's a here's a an, a translation of it verse 16 in chapter one of galatians it pleased the father to reveal his son in me in order that i may proclaim him in the nations now, none of your Bibles will say that, okay? Because in verse 16, and most of them won't say in at all. They'll say it, please the Father to reveal his son to me to, in yeah. order that I may proclaim him to the nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, most of your Bibles will make a footnote for the first one that says, or literally in. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, okay. Why don't Big you just put that difference. in then, right? Yeah, seeing how that's what Here's it says. The, catch. <laughs> the word in the Greek right there that says reveal his son in me is the exact same Greek word that says that I may proclaim him what we say to the nations. It's the exact same word. And yeah. I'm like, I mean, all of that exactness. It's the same word, which these words often do mean different things in different contexts. And you have to use the context to determine, well, which one is it, right? And I think you don't really get the gravity of this verse when you decide like, yeah, I know like it said in the first time, maybe, right? Well, we might grant that. A lot of us don't still. I think you have to grant that one. But the second one, to say in the second time, it turns everything you know about church on its head. Because like you said, we're trying to get them in and through our system. We Mm. are literally Judaizing them with Christianity. Mm. We're saying this thing that we do is what you have to be a part of. And I'm saying, no, that's just another religion. To call Christianity the thing you have to do or become a part of. You just made it a religion. You made it a religion because the, the claim we've been talking about this whole conversation is that the gospel is Jesus. 
Mm. Period. Full stop. So, and no buts, no ands, no ifs, no clauses, no conditions, no contingencies. So I'll read it again. You, we should all change our Bibles to read it this way, at least in the margin. It pleased the Father. Get this knife out real quick. <laughs> it pleased the Father to reveal His Son in me, in order that I may proclaim Him in the nations. I'm telling you, like my, I had an experience so much like what you said, Russ. Your story about sitting with that guy, and it all started shifting there because I was like, wait a second. I'm just like this guy. He just unloaded all his crap and he's really looking to me for something too. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I had the same moment brick wall where I was like, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I can't fix what you got. Although it's not really different from my story. So maybe you need solidarity. And then in that solidarity, that's one of the clearest moments that I feel like revelation happened. Cause I was like, you're all, like, Jesus is already doing this in you. Mm-hmm. he's there he's already there like i don't have to get him there i don't have to even be you. in this conversation yes that was not true wow like that changes how i look at this guy now <laughs> it changes how i look at me and now this isn't a like relationship like this no it's like this we're yeah. we're the same on the same level because we are both equally subject without solicitation we did not solicit Jesus for the gospel. We are both subject to the fact that we are in him. That, that changes everything. And our recent, uh, getting, you know, getting canceled from, from a denomination for sharing, uh, these truths. I remember being in a, in this meeting with a handful of the leaders and they were just really fighting Jameson, the, the, the core of, of what you just brought up in that verse. Right, which can also point to a myriad of other verses in Colossians one and a Colossians three. Uh, a plethora. Yes, yes, better a myriad. And uh, a anyhow, multitude. I remember talking with this dude about, like, look, you Middle you guys East. are all everything you do is designed to get people into a system that you call Christianity, and therefore God now loves them, will move in their lives, and they belong. We're trying to help people awaken to the Christ who already lives in them. This is what you see the Apostle Paul doing and declaring. And he goes, that's that's blasphemous. And it was another one of those moments, Jameson, where you're kind of stuck there, right? You're going, man, like my brain's running in a thousand directions. Where do I go here? And this was recently. And I looked at this panel and I said, all right. I said, out of curiosity, you guys, are you charismatic? And of course, we're like, no, no, we, we, we can, we definitely believe God can do miracles, but you know, we're not charismatic. Like we're not running around saying that God's like talking audibly to us where he speaks and the clouds part and everybody stops and everyone can hear what he's saying. I'm like, so that you, you don't believe that. Well, of course not. How did you become a Christian? Well, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to you. So like audibly, he, he, he talked to you like through the clouds. Every one of these guys, one by one. No, no, he didn't talk to me audibly. Well, then, then what do you mean he spoke to you? Well, like he was just really moving in my life and speaking to me about like things of like sin and truth. And, and it was like in this process, like I, 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 by faith, I believed that's when I, that's where the union came about. 
that's when I came into Jesus and Jesus came into me. I'm like, but that didn't happen audibly. No. So then how did you hear him? Well, they came from, and bro, it was like, you could, you could hear a pin drop. Hmm. I said, it was what? I said, go ahead, say it. What was say it? The word, say, say the it. word. And he goes, well, it, it, it came from within. Oh, came from within. And then one guy, naturally, the butt, right? The the king of the yeah butts there goes, but that was just the spirit of God. Oh, so the spirit is separate. There's there's (laughs) multiple gods. Well, no, no, the Trinity, the doctrine, truly, you're one God. I'm like, so then the spirit, that's God, right? Yeah. And he was where? Talking to you audibly or spoke to you from within? Uh, Well, it was from within, but like, it's because he, it's because he like he showed up. I'm like, oh, so he just kind of like pokes in and out of your life at times. Like pokes his head in. Who's the blasphemer now? He, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, it was this like you could tell, man. There was this like this digging in of the heels of like this takes control out of my hands. This even starts to undermine the entire position that I have achieved in this world and over the lives of people my very sense of security, right? Man, you get, not only can we look at all the things that we've discussed and see like why the drift, but you get even the that, that like hard-hearted fear-driven sort of rejection, you know what I mean, of this reality. And it's just, well, I'll just, I'll end with this, man. The, all the evidence you need is the fact, Jameson, that we have to go to our Bibles and we have to write the word in, in that verse, yep. even though in the Greek, that's what it says. Yep. I don't think Paul accidentally There's your evidence. was unclear. <laughs> like, no. I think it's, that's not hard to figure out. And, you know, this means that I think there's two kinds of people that we're super passionate about at Lark. And I, you can correct this if I'm wrong. This might be the only two types of people that are in the world. We're going to go there. There's the kind of people who feel like they're crazy because they're taking the grace of Jesus seriously. That's one group. There's those people. They feel, they, they're like, I feel like I'm crazy for, for doing this. And the other ones feel alone because they actually need an outrageous kind of grace. You're one of those two people, which means Jesus is the good news that Jesus is in you. And that's, that's the objectively true baseline foundation truth for all truth. That's good news. You can just ask him. You don't have to get him there. You don't have to make him be there. You don't have to get him in anybody else. You can just ask, like, help me believe. Are you? and help others believe in other words tell others this good news and invite them to ask damn good news this this really does change everything cheers homie Cheers. cheers to you fools